Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, he's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the Your host, Beth Ann. And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio's Monarch. My privilege and my pleasure to be here with you today. I've got kind of an uh, opening here, and we have a special guest. Peggy Little will be with us here in just a few minutes, and we have so, so much to cover. Uh, so you stay tuned because we have a lot of important things to discuss. But let's go to the Lord in prayer for such a time as this. Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. We lift you high above all. We lean on you for love and grace and mercy, and we ask, Father, that you forgive us. For we are the prodigal children who have relished in the freedoms and have squandered our liberties. Help us. Guide us, Father, back to you, to your perfect ways. Protect us, Father. Protect our president. Keep him safe in these days to come. Lord, we uh, thank you. For what he is doing here with this country. He is not a perfect man, but he is he is trying to bring America back to freedom and back to God. Guide us, Father, and guard him. Keep our enemies at bay. We grant grant them not one victory, Father. May they see us following you and then choose you as their own as well. Reveal all the lies and the wickedness as hard as it is, Father, to see them. Help us. Use CSE Talk Radio as your instrument of love and truth and encouragement. Bless today's show in a special way, Father. I give it to you. For such a time as this, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The party that says they want to unite continue to riot and fight. The Democrat Party is united. Oh, they are united against we the people, against the Constitution and against the Bill of Rights. They are united in a stance against the Republic. Remember when they had a sit-in to protest the Second Amendment? Yet, aren't that the same people? Don't they take an oath and swear to uphold and protect the Constitution of the United States? Methinks their oath is more words than it is from the heart. Today, the Senate Judiciary Committee, just an hour or so ago, voted unanimously to send Judge Amy Coney Barrett's to nomination to the full Senate floor, which will be voted on on Monday. Of course, it was unanimous because those dedicated Democrats didn't bother to show up. In not showing up, they showed the American people where their alliances lie, where their allegiance lies, not to the Constitution. They boycotted the vote this morning. They They boycotted the people. We the people. They boycotted the Constitution. They boycotted the President. They boycotted the Republic. Remember... When the Benghazi hearings were going on, as soon as the parents and the loved ones were there to testify, the Democrats walked out. How can you forget these things? How many times they walk out on truth and justice? 
They stand for power and socialism, but they do not stand for the American people, for truth or for justice. Going back to the Supreme Court, one side wants a liberal judge that will rule on the bench according to personal narratives and agendas. The other side wants a conservative judge who will rule in favor of the conservative views, which are supposedly Republican Party. However, when President Donald Trump, before he was even elected, put forth a list of names of judges he believed would be originalists. In other words, they will weigh each case according to the origin, the original intent of the words of the U.S. Constitution, which is what I believe we should be doing, and I believe that is the intent. That was the intended purpose of the Supreme Court. Any laws that are made by Congress cannot be contrary to the Constitution, cannot be in opposition to the Bill of Rights. They cannot be infringed, remember? Then the left can't quite understand why the American people don't see things their way. And if you've noticed, they are quite angry about it. Socialism is is the opposite of our constitutional republic. The two forms of government cannot be blended together in any equal balance for we the people. Socialism promises equality, but it never, never, ever has been successful. It doesn't believe in freedom for anyone. In the... In their anger and thirst for power and socialism, the Democrat Party is making numerous, they call them promises, I'll call them threats, to our Constitution and to our rights. They claim certain things are rights, which are not, which is abortion and health care. Those aren't rights. Those are things. But they want to stack the Supreme Court. They want to change the election of senators. They want to add two new states. And doing away with or going around the Electoral College. These are Great. These are things we need to take very seriously, and we're going to cover them today. We have a special guest. I have a long monologue. I'm going to put it to the side because I want to get on with the show here. We've got Margaret Little. She's a senior litigation council member for the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and she has quite the... uh, bio here, which I'm going to kind of forego because I want to get her on the air. We've got so many things we want to talk, and Peggy, I already know I'm going to have to have you back another day because we're not going to be able to cover it all, are we? Welcome to CSE Talk Radio, Peggy. It's nice to meet you. Thank you so much, Beth Ann. Well, I know that you're aware of what's been going on, and I call it threats. They're calling it promises. The Democrat Party wants to make some huge changes to our form of government. And it's very concerning to me when you sit down and you put the pencil to the paper and you figure out what they want to do to the Senate and the, what, when you figure out what they're wanting to do with the Electoral College, it's going to leave people, especially in rural America, without any voice. And uh, I, I kind of wanted you to address some of these things. And why don't we just start with the packing of the Supreme Court? We do have Amy Coney Barrett that will be nominated. The Senate will pass her on Monday. Uh, But let's talk about what they mean when they talk about packing the Supreme Court. Um, I'd be happy to talk about that. That's uh, a proposal that was uh, raised by Franklin Roosevelt in the 1930s to pack the court. And he was not happy with the fact that the Supreme Court at the time was, in some cases, setting aside New Deal legislation. So in frustration about that, he decided uh, that he would uh, pack the court 
up to, say, 15 justices. Well, uh, right there you have essentially wiped out the separate uh, branch of government if you are packing it with people who you know will rule in your favor, if the political uh, branches do that. What is interesting is that a bipartisan committee at that time in 1937 met to review his proposal, and it was soundly and thoroughly denounced by Democrats and Republicans. I have yeah. their bipartisan report in front of me. Mm. Uh, in, in summary, they said, we reject this bill as a needless, futile, and utterly dangerous abandonment of constitutional principle. Another conclusion they reached, and this, again, is both Democrats and Republicans at the time, it would subjugate the courts to the will of Congress and the president and thereby destroy the independence of the judiciary which is the only certain shield of individual rights. And then its concluding sentence, which is a killer I want to read. It is a measure that which should be so emphatically rejected that its parallel will never again be presented to the free representatives of the free people of America. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, and it's signed by 10 um, members of the committee, bipartisan, and that's that's their conclusion. Then this re- reads very well today. I was impressed at ha- the clarity. Oh, I want a copy of that. Is, I'd be happy to show yeah, it to you about that. Oh, absolutely. we we got to get together on that. We could do a whole show on that. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. I hear the music. We're headed into a break. I'm not going to take any calls today because Peggy and I have a lot to cover. There's a lot of things for us to consider as the American people, a free and independent people. That's what we want to be, and we will be right back. Liberty Tabletop brings liberty to your table. For those of you who want to display your patriot heart, set your table with Liberty. The new patriotic flatware pattern by Liberty Tabletop. Your dining table sets the mood for the American family and the American dream. Liberty honors our fallen heroes, the Liberty Bell. We the people with stars and stripes are American Eagle and the Statue of Liberty. Each piece of the Liberty Flatware pattern is an art with elegance, high-quality work, and high-quality 1810 stainless American steel. Each piece is unique while conveying the same patriotic message, Liberty for all and we love America. Order your set now and a set as a gift for a special patriot in your life. Liberty Tabletop brings Liberty home to your table. Use the promo code BETHANN and receive a discount. LibertyTabletop.com or call them 844-386-2338. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future, agrees that America is blessed with an abundance of reliable energy sources. 
Our natural resources are the lifeblood of our nation and have made our nation prosperous. Rural America is the heart of production in this nation. Our food, manufacturing, trucking, and yes, our energy. Power of the Future promotes jobs in rural America, specifically our energy jobs. These jobs are all under attack. Wealthy radicals like Tom Stiers and George Soros promise to break the nation's energy independence. Their beloved Green New Deal attacks all that is good in this nation. Our food, our land, our jobs, our families, and of course, our gassy cows. Power the Future is fighting for you, rural America. Join them. Visit PowerTheFuture.com. See the latest news and donate to those who are fighting for you. PowerTheFuture.com. Power the Future is fighting to keep America's lights on. You can look for the silver lining or you can strengthen your portfolio with gold and silver. Optimism is planning for your own financial future. Melody Cedarstrom of Discount Gold and Silver Trading has been watching our economy and the banksters for well over 20 years. The U.S. has an unsustainable debt. While the timing of a collapse cannot be predicted, we know the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back weighs heavier and heavier with each new stimulus and omnibus bill. Because of our debt and the lack of solid backing, those fiat dollars in your pocket continue to deflate in value. However, gold stays true, true wealth. Give Melody Cedarstrom a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. We have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're visiting with Peggy Little. She's uh, with the New Civil Liberties Alliance. And, uh, I, you know, when we're talking about packing the Supreme Court, I love that. I love that. It goes way back. You know, our history is so important. It is so important. Uh, not only are they wanting to increase the number in order to have power, but then they wanted to limit the time that the justices could be on the Supreme Court. And they have an agenda with that. It's not because they think it's it's time to go. They want it to be time to go for any of them that President Donald Trump put on there. And uh, so they wanted to limit. I can't remember what the number of years was. I, I want to say it was either 8 or 15. I can't remember what they said. Do you remember what it was on the, t- on the years, the limiting? Um, actually, there's several proposals. Um, okay. Maybe that's why I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So, well, the Constitution says the judges are put on the court for life tenure, and they do that for a reason, so that they aren't concerned that they'll lose their job if they rule in a way that the, One way or the other. Congress or the president. That's also why um, they wield a great deal of power, and we need to be careful about who is on the court. Um, We have lived with the consequences of a number of uh, dubious decisions, uh, and the judges are protected with life tenure. I think the uh, Democrats are now very concerned that we'll be living with the consequences of a 6-3 court that leans originalist. 
I think that's a good thing. That's how the court was designed to work. And um, you can make honest proposals about um, life tenure, uh, especially if a judge becomes disabled. But there's already legislation on point on that. And then that is an important and a legitimate issue. But you have to amend the Constitution uh, to remove life tenure. Tenure, and I don't see that happening, uh, even under the Democrats. Well, even now they have the uh, the right or the ability to retire. We've got some now that are wanting to retire. Um, you know, which I'm a little concerned about, but that would mean that President Donald Trump, if he gets reelected, gets to put another one in. But you know, we know that. You know, it bothers me, and I think it does you too, when they talk about a liberal judge or conservative judge. It's just one or the other instead of the originalist. And maybe we should kind of explain what the originalist actually means. I'm, I'm going to let you do that because I think you've got a little better word than I do. So, Well, yes, I'd like to, to talk about what an originalist or, or a textualist means and also try to debunk this myth that um, a judge is – falls into one or the other category. First, okay. let's start with originalism. Originalism means, as I thought Judge Barrett very ably uh, and repeatedly explained at her confirmation hearings, means that a judge looks at the text of the Constitution and its original public meaning. That's very important because when the Constitution was uh, adopted, or let's say in eighteen in, uh, in the uh, late nineteenth century um, when the uh, Civil War amendments, Fourteenth uh, Amendment was adopted, those constitutional provisions were adopted not just by Congress, uh, but they were adopted by the states. And so it's very important to look at what did those words mean to the people who enacted those provisions. And that's important for any number of reasons. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. If we start reinterpreting what that means, that means we are expanding or contracting the meaning of what the people understood when they adopted those Amer- those amendments, um, you know, through state ratification of those proceedings as well. Uh, the other side um, of the uh, equation, Judge Barrett called it the, the pragmatists. Um, that's a polite term for what Justice Scalia used to call uh, the people who believe in a living constitution. Uh, they look to expand and reinterpret and find uh, penumbras, which means a sort of a shadowy, uh, existence outside the words of the, of the Constitution, or emanations. That's another favorite term. So you have these sort of glowing words that reach things that they were never meant to reach at the time they were adopted. Uh, and I have studied this issue of constitutional philosophy for over 30 years and concluded that the only uh, the only approach that stands up to rational analysis is an originalist uh, view of the Constitution. That does not mean that an originalist uh, might decide a case, um, one originalist might decide a 
case differently than another originalist. We're all humans. We're all um, uh, uh, fallible, and we all um, mm-hmm. can look at uh, honestly look at a, a question differently. Justice Scalia and Thomas sometimes, yeah, yeah it, it right. differed, and that's fine. That's that's the nature of a court. You can't you can't stop. Well, that's that. why you have that's more than one judge. That's why you have more than one judge. Exactly, and they and they won't do a. Um, they try to persuade one another too before the uh, decisions come out, and sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes, as we have seen with certain swing justices, it's it's uh, you know has led to some troubling decisions. But the other thing I want to point out is um, this business that somebody is routinely a conservative or routinely a liberal does need to be debunked. There are certain social issues where I think you can probably predict what a justice will uh, decide, but on many, many issues, including the mass of uh, the, the overwhelming majority of the court's business, those justices jump around all the time. One of the things that Justice Scalia said about Justice Ginsburg was she was one of the finest procedural uh, justices he'd ever encountered and she left a lasting, lasting and enduring legacy on things like jurisdictional rulings, um, the procedural rulings that are very important to the business of the court. And sometimes on business law questions, you will find a liberal judge uh, joining with the um, conservatives on an issue of business law. So it, it's a, a gross oversimplification to look at these justices as if you would know how they would decide every case. Well, it's politicizing it, and that's one thing we don't want the Supreme Court to be. Uh, Precisely. You know, the, the separation of and the balance of powers, you know, is, is so important to our form of government, and it's so important to protect the people. Uh, and to protect, you know, the Constitution, like you said, it's not a living, breathing document. Uh, it is a contract, is how I always look at it. It's a contract. Uh, between we the people and the elected officials and you know they have to anything that they do they have to follow that constitution it has to it has to parallel with that it can't go the opposite direction of it um, you know we've had lots of changes through the years uh, with the constitution maybe some that I well most definitely there's some that I think have really hurt the people as far as having representation. And and I'm going to jump down to the Senate then with what they're wanting to do with the Senate. Now, it could just be a little bit of a scuttlebutt or gossip that's been going on, but they had mentioned here about a year ago, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, that they wanted the Senate to look like the House of Representatives. And I think that would be disastrous especially for the rural areas. I, I spoke in Wyoming this uh, earlier this year and I let them know if something like that happened, uh, they would lose representation because they don't have as much as other states anyway because it's based on the population. And so they would lose representation, and then somebody like a state of California or some of these others, they would almost double their representation, which would, you know, that leaves a mob rule. You know, they keep screaming democracy, and I don't know if that rubs you wrong like it does me, Peggy, but I, I keep saying we were set up to be a republic. <laughs> There's a difference between democracy and republic. Now, we do have some democratic legislation and that kind of thing, but that's not the same thing. No, and so I don't know if you've heard what they wanted to do to the Senate or not. I'm, I'm going to kind of turn that over to you. 
Well, there's a lot of proposals out there, but the, the idea of trying to make the Senate more democratic or look more like the House is certainly contrary to the whole design of the Constitution. When you have the two chambers of a legislative body, and this is true of state constitutions as well as the federal constitution, the Senate is designed to be a check on that kind of um, just simple majoritarian power. Uh, they are put in for longer terms. They have longer-term interests. It is designed so that the Senate and the House of Representatives come in in staggered terms and so that the Senate has to be responsive to uh, a Congress that is you know, constantly changing its composition every two years. Let's, let's get into the details design. of that. Yeah, it is. And I want to get into that a little and let you even repeat some of that again because we're heading into a commercial break. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. I just feel it is so important that we understand what some of these changes, these threats to our Constitution, to our rights, what they truly mean to you, where you are, whether you're in Missouri, California, or Wyoming, wherever you are. And we will be right back. We have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We're visiting with Peggy Little with the new Civil Liberties Alliance. Uh, she's joined us today to kind of go over some of that. And we're doing it rather rapidly here. And I, I really do want to have you back if you have a have a time that we can come up with the days before the election here in the next week and a half. Um, going back to the Senate real quick, I, I have tried to point out to others when the 17th Amendment was passed and then the senators could be a popular vote rather than appointed by the state legislature. I believe the states lost representation. That's just my best opinion. But I believe that the senators, I believe all of our representative senators these days are more of a career politicians rather than statesmen. But you can be anywhere and then move somewhere else. And if you've got enough money and enough prestige and enough of a name, you can be elected their senator. True. And it's out of the hands of the state legislators. And I believe that caused uh, less representation for the states. They don't come back and answer to them. Do you think that I'm correct in that assumption? Well, absolutely. The change in how people are appointed made a big difference. And made the senators and, and the seats, the senators more mobile, and then the seats less tied to the um, the history and background of the state. But that, you know, is water under the bridge. We made the amendment, and uh, we have to live with it. I still think that <laughs> most senators, not all, I can think of some very prominent examples of um, senators who, who moved to a state and and and, and walked into a senatorial position. Yeah, you know, from Arkansas indeed. to New York, that happened. <laughs> exactly, indeed it did. <laughs> There's a few uh, others, too. but <laughs> Yeah, and, and so there was wheeling and dealing there, but uh, really more on the um, uh, federal side. And, and right. you're right, the original design foresaw that senators would come out of the states. But um, I don't think that's a... a a widespread threat. I think it's actually fairly unusual for someone to be able to just sort of walk into a Senate seat as the Senate, as uh, the candidate from Arkansas did uh, in the case of New York. Uh, I think most 
states still draw their senatorial candidates from the state, um, and it, it's true it's by popular vote, but it's also for six-year terms. So some of the uh, some of the original design in terms of having the Senate serve as a break, uh, and by that way I mean B-R-A-K-E, so as, as something that kind of holds back the more um, – uh, majoritarian uh, impulses of the uh, of the Congress is a good thing. It means that legislation is hard to make, and it should be hard to make. We all have to live with it for decades, and so the process of having it proposed in the House, then it has to go through the Senate, which is a slower and more careful and and well reasoned and and thoroughly argued case, and then it's presented to the president, and it has to either be signed by him or it has to have passed uh, in, in sufficient popularity to overcome a veto. Those those things aren't bad. Those aren't bugs in the system. Those are features well, that's of the, the system. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the balance, you know, the check and balance, and they're supposed to kind of – you know, I have a I have a quote from Thomas Jefferson, and he, he I'm just going to read half of it. He, well, no, I'll read the whole thing. It says the executive power in our government is not the only, perhaps not even the principal object to my uh, solicitude. He says the tyranny of the legislature is really the danger most to be feared, and will continue to be so for many years to come. The tyranny of the executive power will come in its turn, but it is more of a distant period. And I think we've seen tyranny in our legislature just because this this fight over power uh, and now what we're seeing, and we won't get into that today, but all the corruption and, and the things that it just looks literally like so many on probably both sides of the aisle have really been selling America out. And, you know, they when they're in there for so long and they have term limits, they don't have term limits. And they're in there for so long that it is a career to them. And, you know, you always want to do better in your career. I mean, that's just human nature. But, you know, I don't know if it's really something we should consider. Not that we should ever get them to vote themselves out of out of their jobs, term limits for Congress or not. But what do you think about that in particular? Because I know it's, it's kind of been a, a burr under a lot of people's saddle because, you know, we just keep reelecting these people, which is our fault, not theirs. But we just keep reelecting them. Well, there's a couple things there. One of the reasons they keep being uh, reelected is the incumbent has enormous advantages. They had franking privileges in terms of being able to use the um, uh, the assets of their office to. Uh, support them in their new campaigns. And so, and plus, you know, an incumbent has a great deal better name recognition and has power, mm-hmm. you know, over things like appointments and be handing out political favors. And so um, the, once a person gets into office, they, you know, will be reelected um, uh, very often because of those asymmetries of power. And it's very difficult and very costly to mount a challenge and succeed into unseat and incumbent. Um, but the, the other thought I have is that in observing people who have held these positions of office, I have found that people who come to politics young, 
and that's their entire career, yeah. are truly dangerous and, and very often the worst occupants of their um, offices. Uh, I give as one example, um, Bill Clinton once said that he had never had more power in any job in his life than he had as Arkansas Attorney General. And that includes mm. two terms as President of the United mm. States. But he's a career mm. politician, a uh, case study in what someone who's actually never done anything else in their life. He's, he's a study in how that person works. Um, I also like to tell the story, believe it or not, about George McGovern, who once mm. he uh, stopped being a senator, he became a businessman. And he once gave a, a speech in the town I was living that had he known how difficult legislation can make starting a small business to be, he would not have voted for half of the bills that he voted for. Wow. And that's a, that's a striking example of someone who, who was a politician for most of his life and then tried to be a businessman and, and found it to be a nightmare. And that's why... <laughs> If I, in my world, you'd elect people to political office who had actually done something else in their life for at least several years, because they will understand what it means to run a business, to uh, leap over regulatory hurdles, what it means to meet a payroll, what what means when yeah. you can't meet the payroll because of you know whatever can happen, especially. Um, you know, think about today uh, with the COVID. Uh, there's so many businesses going out of business, and the, the government right now is very deaf to the large and not politically powerful group of people who are being harmed terribly by um, this this epidemic. Yeah, the, the mega corporations are doing fine. It's the it's the small businesses and the local businesses. They're just they just are having a terrible time, and many of them are already gone, surviving. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just been, it's been astronomical. And I think with the, the COVID, we've seen the tyranny that it's, it's right at their fingertips, that they can, you know, evoke their mandates, their ordinances on the people uh, that go against the Constitution. And that maybe is a, a topic for another show with us. But um, they're revoking of the, uh, restricting the uh, First Amendment, uh, not going to church. You can't go to church. You can't sing above a certain, <laughs> yeah, the governor of, of, of California put out his mandates for, uh, for the holiday season, particularly Thanksgiving. You can't have more than three households together. And I go, I have five children and they're all married. So that would be six. So I would be in a lot of trouble if I lived in the state of California because my kids will be coming home for Thanksgiving. I'm glad <laughs> but, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't live in the state of California. And if I did, I bet my kids would still be coming home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but there's so many things that we need to talk about. And, and I'm going to bring up a, uh, a topic in the in our final segment, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get a hold of you right after the show and get you back on here because there's others we have not talked about yet. You're listening to CSP Talk Radio. 
As a business owner, when was the last time you asked yourself if you have the right commercial insurance coverage? You need business insurance to protect everything you're building. One disaster without the right insurance could hurt your business, and larger deals you're trying to close may require that you have it. We recommend Cover Wallet for all your business insurance needs. In just two minutes, with their award-winning technology, they can offer you free competitive quotes from top insurance carriers nationwide. CoverWallet has helped tens of thousands of businesses, startups, restaurants, truckers, construction companies, landscaping companies, beauty salons, consultants, and they can help you. No business is too big or too small. And it's a free call to find out. Protect your business. Get the right insurance for your business. Call CoverWallet right now. 800-220-7612. 800-220-7612. That's 800-220-7612. Friends, I want to talk to you very frankly about the increasing civil unrest we're seeing these days. You can't turn on the news without hearing about more riots, violence, looting, killing, lawlessness, and mayhem. Sadly, I think the worst is yet to come, and the crescendo will be quite painful. However, I want to focus your attention on what you can do to survive. Priority one in times like these is to make sure you have enough food to eat. If you know me, you know I fully endorse My Patriot Supply. They're the only source I personally use and trust to get through the tough times ahead. Right now, you can save $100 off a four-week emergency food supply kit of delicious, nutritious meals the whole family will love. Go to preparewithbethann.com to get your food kits today. The future is so uncertain. I urge you to go to preparewithbethann.com and get ready now. That's preparewithbethann.com. The following is not paid for or endorsed by any political candidate, party, or radio station. Ladies... Democrats are counting on your votes, but you cannot count on the Democrats. Socialism pushed by our Democrats is an economic theory proven to fail, characterized by state government ownership of businesses, property, and services. The state is in charge of production and distribution of all goods. Social programs and services cannot be offered to you unless they take your dollars and your choices away. Education will not be free. It will be controlled. No school choice. Health care will not be free or affordable. It will be controlled. Defunding our local police, disarming citizens, letting prisoners go free is the true existential threat to your safety and your family. President Donald Trump is not the enemy of the republic. He is the enemy of the political elites and the Democrat socialists and the globalists. November 3rd, vote against every Democrat from dog catcher to senator. Vote for President Donald Trump. Let's restore our republic and bring America home. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I wish they would have me do a commercial. I'm from the New York area and we don't trust anybody. But you know, when you're in pain, you will try anything. And I said, let me try it. And after, I would say, about a month, I was able to walk, and I'm jogging now. I didn't think I'd ever be able to do that again. It was just a case of me not having all the nourishments that a body is supposed to have in my body. I mean, it was really an incredible thing. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751. 
or by going to balanceofnature.com. Again, that's balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code RADIO5. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. I'm visiting with Peggy Little, and we are talking about the changes or the threats that uh, the left, in particular, are are saying they want to make to our form of government and how things are run. That my concern with all these threats is they're directed. They want to say at President Donald Trump, but it's really at the people and at the Constitution. It's really at uh, trying to gain more power, but. One thing that really disturbs me is their anger and their hate for certain people, rule America in particular, uh, anybody who supported President Donald Trump, anyone who supports life instead of abortion. And uh, they've come out with this idea. It's really not a new idea, but they're coming out with this idea, Peggy, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I don't know if you've read anything about this lately. Uh, it's kind of a new thing as far as they were tweeting it out. You know, that doesn't get blocked on Twitter, <laughs> but other things do. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to address that, and then I really hope that I can get you back real soon and we can talk about some of these other things. But I wanted to talk about this Reconciliation Commission that they're wanting to put together, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Sure. Well, it reminds me a little bit of what Justice Cardozo described as, um, this is during the New Deal, as a roving commission that is designed to go and seek out uh, issues and um, rule upon them any way they wish. Okay? Mm. We, we, we don't have a roving commission uh, branch of government. <laughs> and we don't have... Um, fourth branch of government, which is uh, the administrative state, and that's what New Civil Liberties Alliance, where I work, is, is very concentrated on. But it's very important to understand that in our system of limited government, there's really no place for commissions that um, have any political power because they're not in the original design of any state or federal system. And, and then the second question is, well, if, assuming they had no power, would they be a good idea? And that is something that I think is a fair debate, but um, I think it's probably not a good idea. I think it can stir up resentment, um, just as some of the reparations proposals have. And um, I don't think it actually leads to a more uh, unified union. Uh, but that's just my opinion. But should it have any power, it's just simply illegitimate. Well, it, it looks like it was directed in particular at people that disagree with them, uh, such as uh, anyone, you know, somebody like me that's on the air. Uh, anyone, I'm not, I'm not scared, I'm not saying that, I'm just using that as an example, that really promoted President Donald Trump and the ideals that, uh, of the Constitution that, that the left seem to be opposing. 
And uh, so it, it kind of looked like it smelled bad. I don't know what else to say. It just kind of smelled bad. And I didn't know if you had uh, studied that. And it, it's not really a new thing. I think other countries have tried it in the past. And and um, it's it's not the American way. It's not the American way of freedom and independence and, and having choices and, and those kind of things. It, it uh that that really bothers me a lot, not about that particularly, but about these changes that they're wanting to make. They're really just they're really just power grabs and they infringe upon the rights, the natural rights of the American people is how I see them. Uh I'm gonna kinda let you talk to that. Well yes, and, and um speaking of commissions, because I think I think um that is within what uh, the new Civil Liberties Alliance does, and, and anytime I hear, hear the word commission, I flinch because <laughs> yeah, my, my first question is, whose commission and under what authority? And that should always mm-hmm. be an American's question. Anyone who is schooled in their state or federal constitution has to ask that question and probe that deeply because uh, commission can do a lot of damage. Uh, and it can also do it without any power. Uh, you do know that in the 2000 election, there was a full-page ad in the New York Times that the contested Bush-Gore election should go to an appointed commission. Yes, I do remember that. It was it was laughable. I mean, there's nothing remotely uh, constitutional it, it, about that. It, nothing it, it whatsoever, and yet that's what. Um, people uh, on the left were proposing, and they were proposing it for a reason, because it gives the educated elite power that the Constitution does not otherwise give them. That we need to be very careful about. I also think that there's First Amendment issues in in terms of who would be the targets of such a commission. Uh, There are already on campuses and in businesses um, there are efforts to have people subjected to uh, political correctness training, and uh, you know how. And these these things are, are very dangerous to our freedoms, and um, we need to be skeptical of and resistant to anything that does not have a solid basis in the law as structured by our founders, state and federal. Well, I was, and going back to the Supreme Court here, I was very impressed with Judge Amy and how she handled things at the hearing. Uh, I thought she just was way above any of those who were bringing questions and allegations and and uh, trying to torture her with her faith. <laughs> you know, even if they were going around it, they couldn't mention it. But, you know, I thought they did when she was up for the federal judge. Um yeah, I thought she did a very good job, uh, very commendable. She was uh, very calm <laughs> and knew what she was talking about. And uh, that's what we need on the Supreme Court is somebody like that that can stay calm and look at look at things in a reasonable manner. And I, I didn't see anything, anybody on the other side being reasonable at all. I don't think they uh, landed any punch. I have actually read virtually all of her decisions of any uh, import in her writings and speeches and other uh, law review articles. And I can tell you that she stands head and shoulders above other candidates. 
there's a gift for legal writing and analysis that not every lawyer has. Actually, very few have it at a very high level. Um, and I went in looking at her materials as a skeptic because she had had such high praise that I thought, uh, you know, nobody can be that good, right? Well, I was overwhelmed with her care, her brilliance, her attention to detail, her open mind, yes. her uh-huh. um, willingness to tackle hard issues and take a, a fresh view of things. It was Remarkable, and that is just the sort of person we want on the court because it does take uh, a great deal of what um, James Madison called, or actually it was um, Alexander Hamilton called, uh, judicial fortitude. And that means mm. an ability to <laughs> say to a president or Congress uh, that what you've done is not constitutional. We lack that. Far too often. We in do. State and federal court. And I, think I think that's she's got it. I think it's because we have politicized so much around in our constitution, I mean, around our government. We're out of time. I want to thank you so, 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 so much for being with us. And I do want to get you scheduled to be back on again. Uh, we, you know, I mentioned whenever she was going into this hearing, she handles seven children. She can handle Congress. And I think she did a very good job. Thank you, Peggy, for being our guest. You've been listening to CSC Talk Radio as we work together to bring America. For too long now, those whose ancestors carved from a vast wilderness an awe-inspiring extension of Western civilization have been without any semblance of political representation. Abandoned by the political establishment, we now face the prospect of losing our national identity, culture, and our way of life. But there is hope. There is still time to right these wrongs. And there is a vehicle to organize our people into a force capable of reclaiming America's destiny. The American third position is that vehicle. It's a political party for our people, led by extraordinary patriots like Bill Johnson, Kevin McDonald, and myself, James Edwards. Our ancestors from the gates of Vienna to the sands of Iwo Jima sacrificed their all in order to secure Providence's most precious gift freedom. Now it's our turn. Learn more at the American Third Position website, American3P.org. That's American, the number three, the letter P.org. This is the American Third Position, American3P.org. Are you sick and tired of just being sick and tired? Are you sick and tired of being told that you are somehow privileged? Are you sick and tired of being told to shut up, both at work and at school? Are you sick and tired of panhandling, pestering you whenever you go out to shop or to eat? Are you sick and tired of jobs that never come and an economy that never goes anywhere? Are you sick and tired of having to take orders from incompetence? Are you sick and tired of movies and television shows that depict a white man as a bumbling incompetent? Are you sick and tired of a government that welcomes non-white immigrants and exposes you to diseases. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, then the American Freedom Party is for you. Connect with us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. Once again, theamericanfreedomparty.us.